we have a punch on. Oh, uh, why are we recording all that? Aren't we doing our old intros? We took, we are. Relax. I just, I just forgot. We're, we're going to start now. Relax. Oh, oh. Why, don't you have, why don't you have a hit? I used all my best jokes already. That were your best. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> one, two, three, I'll give no credit to this side ever. I'll give no respect to this side. Ever. John O'Brook, honorary blue brother. Well, yes. Mr. Paul Sebastiani, welcome back to the show, mate. This one game is a builder of, you know, a year's worth of work. That's, that's if you think it's performance. And I gave my opinion. <laughs> it's an opinion-based podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> How's that? New intro. Yeah, it's cool. Hey, we don't we don't do a podcast anymore. We do we run a show. This is a show. Who are we? The, the footy show. <laughs> Hey, listen. Uh, like You're gonna be said, Eddie McGuire and rub his little hands together, and like like we said last week to all listeners, this it's a brand new year. We're going to a different level this year, so that's it. Now, off the top, before we start this show, I just want to say, Willem Bow, works of Willem Bow. This kid is a superstar. If you ever need a video package done, look him up on Instagram. He he puts together what you just saw there. He puts together everything you see on the Little Broad Channel. Kids a superstar. So make sure you hit up Willem. Um, we've got another video that you'll see on socials this week as well that he's put together um, as a bit of a blue broad pump up for the year for us. And um, now, welcome everyone to episode 79. How's that? 79, almost in the 80s. Episode 79 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast. I'll still call it a podcast, I won't call it a show. Episode 79 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast. Blues, Almost Blues Brothers podcast podcast i'm joe as always i'm joined by dan and i'm joined by jules off the top how are we good good i'm just hoping you get better as the show goes on joe oh okay i just i've hoped that for the last 78 episodes from you but i'm still waiting to, to be fair, to be fair just obviously you know when you do announce you know the 79th episode or the 8th episode um we can't name any players anymore it's too hard. What? Like, yeah, oh, it's, it's, it's a, you know, the 45th episode, it's, it's Franchina's app or whatever, you know, we used to say, we can't do that anymore. I reckon we haven't been able to do that since about episode 50-something. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when we used to say it's like Crocker's app? What number is he? Yeah. Like seven. That's when, that's, that's when we're really bad and really inexperienced. Yeah. And we had nothing, and we actually had no creativity or anything. Actually, to be fair, I was thinking about this the other day. Remember the Aussies? I think it was like an Asian Cup qualifiers where um, they had a lot of A-League players playing and they were wearing like numbers like 148. Do you remember that? Dan, how Let's are you, man? Let's move on. Dan, uh, yeah, really good, Joe. Really relaxed. Jules, good to see you, as always. Good to see you. <laughs> Hey, how's this? We didn't even plan this, but we've all got white t-shirts on. I don't think that's <laughs> we <happened>. do too. <laughs> that's ridiculous. It, it's We're actually sponsored. I mean, if you didn't have the names there, you wouldn't be able to tell who's who. We'll be that's because we're sponsored by Bonds. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's enough. We, we've we've pissed around uh, enough. Look, like I said, if please. Hit up uh, Will and Bo for any video package work that you need. We do have a new intro. It's very exciting. I've been, I've been excited. I don't know about these two boys. I think they hate it. I don't know if they, I don't know if they like or hate the intro. So no. feedback. But we don't hate it. 
if I can speak for Jules here as well, I think the build-up to it was really, really overhyped with every message being in capitals. <laughs> hey, I'm excited. It's good. It's a good video package. He's done a brilliant job. So anyway, show looks a little bit different, sounds a little bit different, but we hope that we can still bring the same content every week. If you haven't already, go follow us on socials at Almost Blues Brothers on Instagram, at Almost Blues Bros on Twitter. Um, you know, post as much content as we can there throughout the season, especially, and you'll see uh, you'll see previews from the show and whatnot. Um, and also, if you haven't uh, and you're listening on Terry's YouTube, please like and subscribe if you haven't already to the Blue Broad channel. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, hit that five stars and follow for any auto updates for episodes. Now, boys, we just had a practice match. This is it, second episode back for us, and we've got practice match to talk about. We've got another one coming up. In about a week's time. So, and some blues news off the top, uh, which is a little bit unfortunate, but we're gonna we're gonna have to cover it um, and have a chat about it. So, without any further ado, let's get into it. All right, Blues news straight off the top. There's one thing that we need to talk about, and that is the unfortunate news, the injury news of David Cunningham, who looked like he was about to get back into full swing of things. There was even talk of him potentially lining up in either the AFL or VFL practice matches on Friday, but there was news that came through on Wednesday that was unconfirmed at the time that he had done his shoulder, and that's now confirmed, unfortunately, for Cunners. Jules, what's the update? You're you're all over this. Um, yeah, I just saw an article during the week, and it's obviously very disappointing, boys, that it's come in a in a bit of wrestling uh, in the gym, um, and it wasn't the wrestling of the the training kind. It was more just you know a bit of fun with the boys. Um, and yeah, obviously he's done his shoulder. Um, he potentially needs surgery. Um, they're going to be getting a scan done and some assessments. Um, and then from there, they obviously have, um, you know, in terms of go down the right course of action, but potentially they're trying to see if they can strength, strengthen the actual joint um, over the next five or six weeks to see if he doesn't need and prevent surgery. So um, it's a time will tell, um, I guess. Over the next week or so, I reckon we'll know more. I think when a lot of clubs look at an injury like what uh, Cunningham's done, I think they do look to try and prevent surgery first. So they'll strengthen the muscles to protect the shoulder joint, to build stability in the shoulder again. And if they can do that, um, then better for him. It means he should be able to come back hopefully quicker. Because um, again, when you have surgery, you're going to have a limited range of motion through that shoulder as well, you know? So um, I feel for him. It was, it was there. I feel for you boys as well because I know we were having conversations um, a lot in the off season, and he was. You guys were amped to see him back. Hey, well, I just thought for me, like he was probably that missing link, bit of pace through the midfield. You know, he could, probably, he could have played on a wing, could have played out of the middle. It just made us. It makes us a little bit more dynamic. So, you know, without him. We're now looking as one-dimensional for me, and we'll talk about it when we get to the practice match in a minute. But we we still look one-dimensional without that explosive, tight, 
either on the outside or the inside that could kick goals. Like before he did the ACL, especially, he started to show that he, he was a goal-kicking midfielder. And, you know, probably outside of Zach Fisher, I can't really name one that pops up every week at this point. Yeah, for me, like I said, Joe, and I think we've mentioned and you've mentioned, obviously, just um, just before, I reckon he's that kind of player that we actually miss. Um, I think he brings a bit of extra to do. Sorry, hasn't like I know we, I know we've seen what he's done, but now it's how long's he been out now for a year and a half? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's how do we know he's been missing for two years? Two years, two years. Two years. So, um, but in terms of his ability um, and his traits, I feel like as if it's a massive miss. Um, there's not many players in our team. Even Walsh, he has a bit of running power, obviously as well, with, with a bit of breakaway speed. But yeah, like you said, Fisher, yeah, it's. Pretty one-dimensional in that midfield. Um, yeah, yeah, I see in the Pracky match. Yeah, to be honest with him, boys, I, I do. I, I'm like I said, I'm shattered for him, and I think yeah, he'll definitely if he was fully fit and we got him games, he'd offer something unbelievable because he's a, he's a handy player. But we've we've not had him on our list now for two. Like we haven't had him playing, so it's not something that I think is going to be detrimental. Do you know what I mean? Like he didn't play all of last year, so. We've managed the season without him. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, we have. But I don't know. For me, it's it, it just would have been it would have been exciting to see that next layer or or different, I guess, different type added to that midfield mix. Because name name one now that can that can come in with the leg speed that he's got and with the you know the explosiveness that we've seen and the goal kicking ability that we've seen. Like obviously, it was still all based on potential because we only saw it for a short period. But I maybe outside of Corey Durden, who might pinch hit in the middle a little bit throughout the year, like I can't see anyone else really playing well, that role. They can, that's even, they, can even, they can even rotate on a wing, for example. Okay. Yeah, I get I get that 100%. But let's not also forget, we had 10 individual goal kickers on the weekend. True. On the, sorry, during the week. Weekend. True. Yeah, it's like that's pretty promising. Yeah. For, for me, it's more about um... – Obviously, he's very talented, etc. But it's more about the traits that he does offer. Um, I know, for example, we've sort of, particularly end of last season, we had Doherty for the last couple of games um, in the midfield, um, and that sort of gave us another um, point of difference, I guess, in, in the midfield. What would you know? What would it be like if we did have Cunningham and then Doherty didn't have to do that, or we had you know another layer as well, and it just oh, creates okay. different elements. And Foss has spoken about it in the media as well, and that's the thing I think we miss. That's the point. That's that's exactly the point. It frees up it frees up others to go play other roles that they're probably stronger in. To be fair, but anyway, like look, you, let's just hope. I'm, yeah. I am glad. What, I am glad that they didn't. Hold on, I'm glad that they haven't gone down the surgery route straight away. I just have apprehensions about it after what we saw with Walsh, where they delayed the surgery, delayed the surgery, delayed the surgery, ended up having the surgery anyway and missing more time. So yeah. best of luck to Cunners in the recovery, but you know, let's just hope it's only six weeks. Can I ask you boys something? Do you think we would have looked elsewhere or a bit differently come trade period if we knew that Cunners was going to be out? Don't think so. I, I mean, we, we, lost, really we spoke about this last week. We lost Zach Williams and brought in a project Ruckman. So I don't think it would have changed anything, to be honest. Like yeah. I, yeah. I think I think I think to your point, Dan, they're probably they're probably okay with the fact that we've been able to play without him in the system for so long now. And that's what that's that's where my question was leading to. That's what my question was leading to. That if you had said no, not really, 
just to sort of justify what I was saying in regards yeah. to uh, not that they're not like I said, not that I'm saying that he's shit or he's he, anything like that, but I'm just saying that I don't think because we haven't he hasn't played in this system at all and we haven't well, seen him at all. It's technically not a loss. Correct. That's exactly right. Yeah. But anyway, let's let's considering hope. considering obviously Vossi hasn't really had him. But yeah. my no, thing no. is as well, going into like considering, you know, more personally as well for Cunningham, it's like, where is he now? You know, yeah. potentially, I think there's only a year on the list. Um, even for him, do you think he'll want to go down the reconstruction, um, you know, down that way? Or do you reckon he's going to try and strengthen it and, and not? Because virtually this is like the last five, six weeks of his, potentially his career, really, starting round I think they're going to best advise him, Jules. I think at the end of the day, they'll best advise him as to what they think for his best interest, for him to have a career in AFL football to see what that can be. So I think we'll have let's, to wait and see. Let's just see in six weeks' time. Let's hope he misses a month and he's back round five, six, and he's doing what we know or what we hope he can he can, he can can do for this side because I'm still excited by the prospect of him coming into this team. I am, and and let's let's just let's just wish him all the best at this stage. All right, that's it for Blues news. We're into the practice match review against the arch enemy, the filth. On Friday at Icon Park, we got the chocolates. I think it was by nine points in the end, eighty-three to seventy-four off the top of my head. And like your boy said, we had ten individual goal, ten goal kickers for twelve goals. So I think Harry was the only multiple goal kicker with three in the end, which he kicked all inside the first quarter. So it was it was a good performance. You know, we've spoken to the likes of Paul Barbaza, even Reese today, about how much you read into these practice matches and whatnot. But they give you some insight and a bit of a glimpse into what you're hoping to expect going into the season in two weeks' time when the ball bounces at the G, right? So I guess off the top, just your initial thoughts of what you saw overall. Let's not get into the nitty-gritty of, you know, We'll talk about the second quarter and whatnot, the laps. But overall, how did the team look? Were you impressed? Were you was it? Did it sort of um, sit where your expectations were going in? How'd you feel? I don't know. For me, it was just another practice game. Really, it was a good hit out. Um, fortunate enough to get go through the game unscathed as well. Uh, plenty of minutes in the legs of a, of a lot of boys. Evan Kennedy played uh, both. I think he played another quarter or, or half out of the VFL. Um, so that was interesting as well. Um, and yeah, obviously a good, help, good hit out, good win. Um, and yeah, I'm not reading too much into it. Um, there's a lot of good things that we did see. Um, but a lot of things that were good, I feel like as if we've already known that were there. Mm. Um, I didn't really see much else that we sort of tried to add to layers over the preseason. I did see a bit more kick mark around the wing and trying to use the likes of acres. Um, but then I saw that last year and then it would break down, you know, on the edge of the 50 try, to try and hit up a target anyway last year. So I didn't really see um, yeah, anything different really. Yeah. If I'm honest, I, I, I finished, um, when the game finished, I sort of left me thinking, all right, I need to see more next practice match. That's what it sort of left me thinking more than anything. What I wanted to see is something that I didn't. Again, like what Jules mentioned, we, we saw glimpses and patches of the Carlton that we know and that we've seen all of last year, which we're expecting. 
But with what I didn't get to see was that transition. I, I didn't see it from an attacking perspective and I didn't see it more so from a defensive perspective. I thought when they re- rebounded and slingshot, slingshotted off um, their D50, um, we were just way too slow to set up and, and react. And that's what I wanted to see. And it's what I didn't see from the practice match that left me thinking, well, I, I need to see more from this next practice match. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And I think you, the the one that you touched on for me there, Dan, was, was the transition because uh, we, we dominated them out of the middle, like all game dominated. And that's that's what we've come to know about this group and with Voss at the helm and whatnot. And it's what, it's, that's the transformation that we saw last year is that we just dominate teams out of the middle. And we did. Tom DeConning looked unbelievable like looks like he's going to be worth every penny whether he stays whether he goes looks like he's actually going to be worth every penny at the end of the year at this point he's got, confidence. He's yeah. got to do it he's, especially he's early it. yeah he's got to do it across the course of the season he can't still be a highlight reel where you see these marks and whatnot like he's got to put that together across the course of the season but i think based on what we saw he's he's gonna surpass expectations or at least meet those expectations that some people have that he's going to be an A-grade player in the competition at the end of the year. So that was good to see. And that just helped with that midfield dominance, especially out of, out of the clearances so early on. I thought he worked well with Harry and Charlie up forward when he did pinch hit as well, gave us a little bit of a different look um, at times. But the transition, man, like I know it's a practice game, but you can't be getting beat out the back so easily like that. In that second quarter, to start that second quarter, the first 10, 11 minutes, whatever it was, like... Yeah. For me, it's not even like the work rate defensively in transition. Like, you can prevent yourself from working hard defensively on a defensive transition just by organising yourself behind the ball um, a lot earlier. Like, we did see, I think, Joe... Um, I can't remember what quarter it was. I reckon it was like the third or fourth quarter, and we basically saw... Um, yeah. I think it was from a boundary throw-in. Um, I can't remember if they got a free kick, but they obviously eventually did win the ball. Um, and we already saw what was going to happen, and it happened. We called um, it. We, we saw. Yeah. We, we looked at. We looked at the way that it was from a boundary throw in. It was about midway through the last quarter. It's from a boundary throw in. The ball spilled out the back to the pies, and before all this happened, we looked at how we were set up before the, the throw in came. And both you and I said we got gaps everywhere. If they get the ball, we're we're fucked here. Like and we it wasn't. And it wasn't even it wasn't just structurally as well. It was the manner in which the players were one v one to the yeah. point where they weren't even they weren't they'll barely goal side. Barely which allowed the Collingwood player to get behind them. And how but, many how many times how many times did you point that out, Dan, throughout the game as well early on? Where it was like all, how are you not goal side on your man here? You're like ten meters off him. What's what's going on? And that's what I wanted to mention to you both is that do you remember in the second quarter how the ball was out in the wing? And all three of us were looking at it going, if they get the ball out here, they're on a 4v2 or it was like a 4v3 or something because of the way it was set up. We weren't goal side. It was just, yeah, it was, like I said, for me, it was frustrating more than anything. Do you, do you, do you think that's actual orders from the coaching staff that, yeah, we want to play, play this way in terms of their oh, positioning? I hope not. I hope not as well, to be honest, because that especially I get I get that we want to play our way, right? I get that, that we want to play the Carlton way and we want to win the Carlton way. And I, I understand it's a practice match, so the intensity is not there. But it's Collingwood. They beat teams based on their transition from D50 to inside 50 last year. That's how they won their games. 
They got out the back and they were blistering. And we allowed them to do it in the space of 11 minutes. They put five goals on us to start that second quarter. We went from and a three-goal lead to two. We went from a three-goal lead to a two-goal deficit that in the blink of an eye. And it's like, you can see why. Like, anyone there could have seen why. Yeah, and what was frustrating yeah. to me was the fact that, we, like, like I said, all of us could see it, but the fact that we're going inside out like forward 50, I feel like our defensive line should be anticipating it. They should be, at, like, understanding that the ball's not going to always go in there clean. So just be ready. Like, how is that not something that's just embedded in every defender in our like not even in the whole side you know it's like that it's like it seemed as though it was so it was so um reactive as if they were just thinking that the ball's going to go inside our 450 clean harry and charlie will take it we'll you know we'll kick a goal go back to the center done you know like that's how far that's how far away they were from their man or out of position it was it was really poor it really was i agree Agree. All right. That's that was obviously the bad. Now, in terms of the good, I, I thought outside of that, we said it multiple times. Like we just looked the more polished side from bell to bell for me. Like it took us a little while to to find that groove and whatnot, but halfway through the first quarter, we just looked like we were never gonna lose that game. Even and even when they had that five goal run, yeah, it was it was disappointing to see and whatnot. You still felt that we were gonna hit back and we did in the third again. You know, there was obviously a bit of a breeze towards one end and a lot of the goals have been kicked towards that end. But we we looked we looked the more polished and driven and executional side out of the two for the majority of the day. Yeah. I feel like as if we were more well-drilled, but I don't know if that was because Collingwood traditionally, um, or particularly last year, um, have been playing that more like gung-ho sort of style of football. Yeah, more chaos. Uh, maybe that's just their brand of footy. Um, but even then, I don't think they got it on their terms as much as what we had it. I thought I thought basically for the only 10 minutes, 15-minute patch where they did kick that five goals. Um, other than that, I thought for the majority of it, we did have it on our terms or it was a little bit of an arm wrestle. But even then, I still thought we edged it. Um, and I thought just because we were well-drilled, and we, I think we do have that, you know, class above them to be to be fair. I know we discussed it obviously with Baz and um Reese today as well in the group chat that we do have. Um that that's the case. So yeah, I mean interesting to interesting to see. Um and arguably I think they probably didn't have too many out to be fair from their actual No they didn't most of full list side. Um <laughs> so it's 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 actually really interesting to see. <laughs> Uncle he's a Collingwood supporter. <laughs> there you go. He wanted. He, he actually wanted to do that to you. He knew we were talking about it. He had the, he had the um, exactly. no pizza. No way. What no a good way. man. He, he's <laughs> he had a kit of a um, a Collingwood supporter as well. Go, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jules. Continue. Continue. Um, I've actually lost track of what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's too good. That's too good. Um, all right, who who impressed you out of out of our boys? Or well, yeah, can I go. say that after seeing what I'd seen in the first half of footy, my eyes and everything sort of for me just became drawn to what Sincotta's gonna do yep. in this practice match. And I was really, really impressed with him. I, I can't I, I think it's it's his spot come round one. I really do. 
Like, oh, I was looking at him, looking at Cowan. Don't get me wrong, I think Cowan was very composed as well. Um, but Sincotta just had something where even by foot, he can break lines. Like, yeah, he was great. Yeah. Let's, let's, start, let's start there then, right? And I'll ask you this, Jules, right? So Hollands, Cowan, and Sincotta, which all mm-hmm. three played brilliantly, I thought. Like, especially Hollands and Cowan, their first hit outs. Hollands, sure, like you look at him, he probably can put a bit more size on, but I thought he was... I thought he was brilliant. Like he broke lines. His kicking was his kicking ended up once he got into the game, it ended up becoming a bit better. But he he, he looked good out there. He looked comfortable. Cowan looked for me unbelievable. Sincotta looked like he was comfortable at the level. Um, and he's been in the system for a long time. Jules, if you're looking at round one, we've got a spot on half back. And we've probably got a spot to rotate one of them on a wing, like a Hollands or or even even to help push maybe Nick Newman up a little bit higher uh, uh, on a wing as well at times. So of the three, if you were to pick two as part of the round one side, who did you have after what you've just seen from that Collingwood practice match so far? I mean, it's a bit difficult because I have to have a look at the whole 22 I would pick, to be fair, just in terms no, of no, balance. Don't worry about that. But let's let's just say you had to pick two on of performance. On performance. Based on performance. Yeah. I reckon Hollands was good, but more so in moments, didn't really have enough of it, especially as a winger. Um, I'd say even Cowan was good in moments too, to be fair. But I just felt like when Cowan did have the ball, um, he probably did a bit more with it, um, a bit more purposeful, I'd say. Um, and then Sincotta, I would have to say, he did turn the ball over a lot more. Um, sorry, not a lot more, but especially early. Um, and I have to say that he's even, he's just his physicality. So his body, um, he's actually pretty quick. And obviously after the first kick that he did miss um, or did turn it over, um, he was actually good, pretty good by foot boy. So yeah. I'd probably have to go with the Cowan and Sincotta, to be fair. Dan? Yeah, definitely. For me, I'll tell you something, boys. I don't think I Brian's safe at all. Yeah, oh, fair. I- I don't. I do not think O'Brien no. is safe. I think no. that we we could be seeing something very different for what all these boys showed us. And again, I, I want to see one more, but I don't think O'Brien's safe for me. So I'll definitely yeah. go Cowan and Sincotta, but it could look a lot different. Yeah, I I, I think. Look, I, I don't think O'Brien's safe at all, especially just yet. Uh, but I still think he's ahead of Holland's. I'll have to wait until the Sydney game, um, but he's definitely ahead. I just felt like as if he got into the game a lot more um, and did show a lot of defensive efforts, um, particularly on the side of the ground where like all the people were. Um, we could actually see it in the, fle- in the flesh um, up a little bit closer. Um, so I, I would say he's arguably improved in that area, um, especially in his tenacity and his tackling ability. Um, so I think at this stage, you'd probably just edge a little bit more over. I, um, over I think he, I think he is safe for me for round one. I think, and I was, again, it was a practice match, so we're not going to get too carried away. But I was actually impressed with the development of O'Brien, what I saw. I thought he actually looked a little bit bigger too. It looks like he's put on a little bit of size, just, an, just enough. Like he's not, he's not too big for a winger, but he's put on just enough size. I thought his kicking was phenomenal, which we knew Always from last week. 
We knew yeah. from last year, but I I just feel like he was a lot more confident taking on certain kicks without hesitation, which we saw last yeah. year at times. I thought his ability to not his ability, but his desire to take the game on looked a lot better than what we saw at times last year. That there's a play down that wing. He gained a hundred meters. He was getting chased by that Collingwood number 16. He knew he was going to get caught. And just a smart footballer, man, handballed it in front of himself and ended up, like you said, Jules, gaining instead of instead of seeing the ball out or instead of getting tackled and pinned for holding the ball, he gained 100 metres and we're inside 50. In, in, and he, I think yeah. he almost it's, did a target. It's, it's not even like that. that. For me, it's the, the footy smarts because he actually had nothing up further afield. So he knew if he did kick it, it was going to go out of bounds and it was going to be pin for pin for um, deliberate. So he actually just thought, you know what, let's buy myself a little bit of time here. Um, and he made the right decision. He made I'm the right glad, decision. I'm, so. I'm glad we're seeing those signs in lock because he's a player that I think can be very damaging in a side like this. He's like a like what we were saying with Cunningham before, right? He doesn't have the explosive ability of Cunningham, but he's got that outside run and that pinpoint accuracy with his left foot where he can just deliver it on a platter to our forwards, man. Like, we've got we've got superstar forwards. If this guy's putting the ball down their throat like he does all season for 22 games and he takes the game on, he's more confident and he, he shows what he showed us in that practice match, forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> forget about and we, it. We probably need that kind of winger as well. So, you know, you've got the likes of Akers on one side. You need O'Brien in the team for me for that. To your, point, to, to your point, though, Dan, he has to show it again. Like He's got to show it every week. There can't be these lapses because we do have players now that are lining up to take his spot on that wing. And for me, the, the defensive side of his game was a big, big flaw. Um, I think he did improve it last year from the year prior, but that for me is a big question mark. Yep, in in something where we can see is actually a big question mark over our whole side. And I'm not talking, like I said, I'm not talking about one-on-one. One-on-one, I'll back Weeders, I'll back Marchbank, I'll back him in. I'm talking about the area where, you know, someone like O'Brien does let us down from a system perspective, yeah? Yeah. Let's talk about someone that looks like he's not going to let us down from a system perspective. On the other wing, Blake Akers kept his depth on that wing and his, and his width all game, and I loved to see it. Didn't get sucked into the contest, stayed wide, had the, had the feed out wide. Ended up getting us forward more often than not and hitting a target. If he didn't hit a target, we gained meters and it was a stoppage. Like, brilliant. Brilliant pickup he's going to be. Brilliant. Well, you can just see what, you know, 100-plus games um, does, you know. He's that more experienced head out there and he's obviously played the wing role for a number of years um, at St. Kilda and Fremantle. Um, and he's also got that physicality too, you know, in the contest as well, um, which is different. Like I said to the other to the other wingers that we have in in um, in O'Brien in Holland. So I think he adds a different element to our game. So I'm actually looking forward to his um, to the year um, just to see what he adds. It's one one word, boys. Experience, and you can see it. It's massive, especially for that position and what that brings for our whole side. Experience is what we needed, and that's what you get with Acres. And you could see it. In everything that he did, you could say it. I, I, I just thought that, like, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen this Carlton team be able to do that, hold that structure so wide. And it opened up the ground for us when we're going forward. I think I actually disagree with what you said before, Dan. Oh, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if you said this. Did you say you were concerned about the attacking transition or just the defensive? I did say attacking as well. I thought it was a bit I too was, slow. I was 
not impressed, but I saw signs of growth. And I think a big yeah. part of that, I think a big part of that was from Blake Akers holding his width on that wing because it just opened up the ground for us to either go wide, which when we did that last year, it was too slow and it, it seemed a lot quicker. You had Motlop running onto the ball because there was space in front of him or go through the corridor like we've seen us do time and again through Assad or whoever it may be. So, look, it's it, it's not it, – it's a small sample size, but if we're going to see that structure going forward or going into attack, sorry, uh, throughout the year, uh, we're going to be very hard to stop moving the ball in hand. Yeah, like I said, I reckon it was better. Um, but, yeah, again, it did break down, you know, across half forward in terms of trying to pinpoint someone inside forward 50. So more, I don't, I don't that, think that's his role, though. Is that more is that, uh, is that more structure or is that more execution? Because our, our kicking was deplorable at times still. I, th- I thought execution, but that was happening last year as well. I feel yeah. like as if depending on how we are moving the ball um, to buy players' time and movement, um, in the structures, though, it's not just the skill ex- execution either. It can't think, be all just the skill ex- um, execution. It's timing as well. I'll be honest with you. I, I'm, the reason why I say I found it poor in transition through attack is because you can measure that kick a lot better if you move the ball quicker to that person that's going to deliver it in. Make sense? Yeah. That person's going to get inside 50. If you get the ball quicker to that person, they can measure the kick and then you can hit a target. You know, if it's too slow, you, you, your options become more and more depleted. And that's what I was seeing. Not all the time. Like when we moved it and we moved it well, we looked unreal. But, yeah. you know, we did. We, like there was passages there that they couldn't get near us. Yeah. And, you know, and we'd hit Charlie, we'd hit Harry or, you know. But from time and time, again, I'm I'm, I'm saying this because I want to, we need to win a premiership. I, <laughs> I want to see us compete. No, honestly, I'm being dead set. That's why I'm saying this because then these things here need to improve. Of course, like you don't see a Geelong making those executional errors too often going forward, for instance. And you don't see Geelong, we spoke about this today before the podcast, you don't see Geelong lose their structure defensively. They're a brick wall. You've got Tom Stewart in the same spot every single time as that spare man intercepting. You've got Mark Blitzarves when he wants to go back there. You've got Sam DeConning now who just on on almost any forward in the comp, you're backing him one-on-one. So, you know, we've, the, the part in all of that, because we've got a weedering that you'd back in one-on-one, we've got you know, Louis Young that you're back in to spoil a contest and to hit a contest and whatnot. But we don't have that that Tom Stewart where there's a general down there making sure that the defensive structure is 100% solid for 100% of the game. I just and don't anticipating, anticipating turnovers and anticipating that things might go wrong further up the field so you're set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Arguably, we should. Um, whether they're doing it or not is a different story. I think we've got players down there that, um, that well, have the ability to do it. That's where a McGovern or Marchbank come in, or both. Correct. And that's why we need. That's why it's so important that we need 15, 16, 17, 18, 20 games out of both of them this year because they're the players that are going to do it for us. Yeah. We saw it in in the system for small patches talking, last year. Too. Talking about um, deconing, I think it's important to talk about our ruck stocks just to yep. see what's going to happen because I did call it last last ep where I'm unsure what's going to be happening. Um, with our ruck stocks. And obviously, Tita K rucked for majority of the day. Murkoff did come in as well in patches. Um, and then you had Pitto in the in the, in the the reserves. But I'm not too sure whether that, or at least I think um, it was because Pitto's um, 
it was easier to manage him, obviously in terms of his workload, coming back from obviously his knee operation over the over the preseason. Um, but where where do we see it? Where do we see going now from what we've seen? Uh, Jules, uh, uh, for me, Murkov didn't show me enough. That's I don't know if you boys. In, are, what, in what respect? In what respect? In in the respect of hitouts. Okay. In the respect of in 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 the fact of, I felt like someone like Pito and TDK can get around the ground a lot easier than what he could. That's my opinion. I don't think he's competing. I think it's Pito's and and TDK's to lose. Okay. So, you we're, gonna the, so we're gonna go the two. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Swans on Friday because I think that's going to be as close to our round one side as what you see for me. Well, you'd expect it to be anyway. But you think so? I would think that round one you're playing DeConning and Pitnet together. I, I'm i not reading too much into Pitnet playing BFL. Remember, he's just come off knee surgery, right? So they just want to get some match fitness into him first and foremost rather than a competitive hit out at an AFL standard or against an AFL-level side. Hopefully he plays against the Swans on Friday. Hopefully he looks good. Um, and I think round one, that's they're the two that you'll see until it doesn't work. Both yeah. players, both players can be a threat up forward as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, DeConning especially. DeConning especially. So you'd be stupid not to go with both of them. Yeah. I, I did hang around for the half of the reserve game. Um, and Pito looked untroubled at all. Okay. Um, so we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll likely see him Friday. I can't actually remember if Sauce spent any time in the ruck. I don't think he did around the ground too much. I don't think he did at all. No, I don't think he did. Maybe inside 50. But I can't remember yeah, if it was okay. him or, or, or Harry. Um, this it was, is, it was this either one or the other. This is the other thing with Sauce now, though, right? So you look back at last year and he probably held his spot because we had ruck troubles, right? But to be fair, I barely saw him on Friday. Really yeah, I mean, when he when he had oh. the ball, when when he when when he had the ball, especially forward, like he took a couple of marks inside fifty. It was good, a couple of set shots, and I think he, he nailed one. But I don't know. I really don't know, and it's the first time I've said it because I don't I don't think we need him if DeConning and Pitto are firing. You can't no, we have, don't. You can't have DeConning, Sauce, Harry, and Charlie all in the same forward line. It's impossible. Well, we saw it around one last year. So I don't see us not I think unless, it, to be fair. I, I, think, I think unless they're comfortable pushing him higher up the ground, he plays like a hybrid wing role or a link man. I don't know. I, it was just – it was something across my mind where I was watching because I'm going yeah, – I, I don't know. I, I, I had impact around the ground that we saw. I disagree that at this moment he's not ahead of even TDK. You're saying he is? Yeah. He is? That's I'm saying, thing. yeah, for sure. For I me, Jason is ahead of TDK. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For round, for round no, one, no. you're saying you're saying Silvani's ahead if of TDK. If I was to go, okay, Jason, if, if I was to think, how, how are we going to fit Jason, TDK, and Pitto in the same team? Out of those three, I'm, p- I'm picking Pitto and Jason over TDK. Without really? Yeah, yeah, because JSOS has at least shown consistency over a certain period of time to go forward, kick goals. He's got the ability to hunt down and tackle, um, like he did on the weekend, which actually converted in a, a lot of scoring shots and scoring opportunities. Um, did kick a goal, unlucky probably to kick two or three. 
Um, has the ability to go in a ruck. For me, he's more flexible um, and more flexible in the sense that he's more consistent at being flexible. And he's with his it. injury, with his injury, or you know, or Pitto and his fitness, can he go a whole game predominantly? Well, I, I don't what, know. Do you know what I mean? Jules is saying he looked unflustered in a VFL match, so you think the match fitness is there? Yeah, I I wouldn't be playing any. I wouldn't be playing Pitto unless he could be playing, or unless we, he's playing predominantly rock. Wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I would have yeah. been, been playing Pitto if TDK is going to be rucking majority of the game. No, no, of course, of course. That's not yeah, me anyway. No doubt, no doubt. Um, all right. The, the, the last one I want to talk about, obviously we can talk about Harry, we can talk about Charlie, they look good. We can talk about Cripper. Actually, there's two I want to talk about just before we get to the preview of the Swans. Uh, the first one is, and we've said it I don't know how many times, the importance of George Hewitt in that midfield. If he misses games, we will lose games. Plain and simple. Because yeah. of we've got a, a midfield that we put out there that had Adam Chera, who played a great game as well. I thought if he's going to cover for Walsh, I'm happy round one. I think he's going to he's going to be fine. We've got Matt Kennedy, who's an absolute bull and stands out just with his ferocity and his, his tenaciousness and his attack on the football and whatnot. <clears throat> we've got a Brownlow medalist now in Patrick Cripps. But for me, when it came down to it and when we needed an out, George Hewitt was clean. Is that not is that not him all, all the last season? Was it all not? All of last season that he yeah. played. When he was out, did we not see what happened to our midfield, what happened to our structure when he was out? It's it's I think it's known by all of us uh how important George Hewitt is. You know, he just stood out. He's for me, yeah. he stood out. Like he doesn't look like he's gonna stand out, but what he can do. Under pressure, and when he's got bodies around him, and just get oh, the yeah. ball out cleanly, like get the ball out cleanly. We, we, I see us get the ball out so often, and it's fumbled and whatnot, or it's it. Someone fumbles the pick up, and then the handball shit. I've never seen George Hewitt fumble a ball ever. He's so yeah. clean at ground level. He, like he, he does, he does three things that are so beneficial to our team that it's not funny. Um, first thing, he does the simple things. I've never, I've never, especially in our team, he has the simple things to another level. Okay, to another level. Second thing, it's his positioning defensively around the contest that enables the likes of Cripps, um, Walsh when he's in the team, Chera um, when he's playing, obviously, and, and and Kennedy to do what they do. Okay, he allows them to be able to do it. And the last thing is he loves the defensive aspects of the game. He loves to defend. Boys, and you know, whether you like it or not, the other players before he came in didn't, but so he gives us the right balance in that. Well, midfield we knew, mid. like, the acquisition of Hewitt was that's why you he came in. You knew that's, what you were that's exactly why we, we got him, and that's exactly why he came, came come to us to because of those attributes, Jules. So, yeah. for me, oh, Joe, don't get me wrong, his importance is, yeah, I think everyone knows how important this guy is. What I if, I know you've got one more point, but what I actually like to see and what we did see, I think me and you were talking about it, Jules, um, was the way we are lowering the eyes going inside 450 and seeing that ball go actually top of the square, like, do you know what I mean? Like cutting it across yep. top of the square. Like it was much better. We looked a lot more, um, I don't know. Composed. 
Yeah, yeah, but just smarter in our decision making. That was another thing that I wanted to point out today was we weren't just dump kicking it. Yeah, I, I could see us go in with trying to hit a person, but lowering the eyes, and that's not something that we did last year either. When you're, you're, when the chips were down, you know, you're also talking about when we're deep, already deep inside fifty, and we squared the ball to the top of the screen. Correct. Yeah, the player that actually leads into the player I wanted to talk about because Zach Fisher did it time and again. I think I think Zach is about to have the year of his life. To be fair, if there was a most improved player award like they've got in the NBA, I'd be putting my money on Zach Fisher for 2023. I think he's going to have a blinder from what I yeah. the way that, the way that he that he was moving. We already know he's a great kicker. I think he was rated the second best kick in the comp last year behind Pendlebury. I think by far he, he, he could be the number one the number one kick in the comp by the end of the year. I think the role that he plays is super important to our link forward. And to your point, he's added that layer to his game where he's now not just blazing away as well. He's Even when he's deep inside 50, we've seen him try and go for these goals and sometimes he pulls them off, sometimes he doesn't. But he, he lowered the eyes, he looked inside and he went top of the square every single time he was in that pocket. I, I loved it. I loved it. But there's conviction as well in doing it. It's not second guessing, wasting time. You can see that as soon as they see it, they'll play it. And it's it was actually really pleasing. When you've got yeah. when you've got two forwards at the top of the square, like Harry Mackay and Charlie Kerno, why are you not doing that every time? Why is not it taking long? Why is it taking this long to realize, hey boys? Lower the eyes, look for H, look for Charlie low, and they'll probably outmark their opponent nine times out of ten. Not well, even when you've got a guy in a better position waving his arms alone and you see it, hit him up. And that's yeah, what I saw. Well, it was like see ball and just go, you know? Yeah, well, Fish Fisher is that kind of player that can run through that midfield and give that dynamic ability that we are looking for, you know, a bit of point of difference. So, Look, I'd like to see him in in there a little bit more. Obviously, higher half forward, he'll probably be there. But, yeah, I'd love to see him through the middle um, just to see what he can add and what he can bring, especially in oh. games where, um, you know, it's not really working for us. Um, yeah, I think he can – I'd probably prefer him to roll through there than, than a doc, to be to be fair. We'll, we're going to see it. We saw it in the Melbourne game and the Collingwood game. We'll see him at centre bounces for sure. But it's important – our ball speed and, and the way we move the ball is important to get it to someone like Fisher very quickly as well. So he can do what he does and measure that kick inside 50. That's that's pivotal as well, yeah. boys. Agree. Agree. The, the only other one I want to mention was just good to see Ed Kerno uh, back out there again. It's been a while. And I think he actually looked pretty good, to be honest. He's... He's, he can still run all day if we need him to play a wing role. Maybe that's maybe that's his maybe that's a role that he can work on if if we need him to come in and play that role. But you know he looked fit, he looked firing. Maybe maybe there's still a role for Ed at some point this season. Who knows? He's like Maccabi Diva, big heart, big engine. Yeah, I, I, yeah. For, for Ed, I reckon he will play a role. Obviously, just through injuries and you know the natural course of the way the season goes. I don't see him. I'll tell you what, on a regular basis. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, we're talking, we're, we're talking finals this year, obviously, right? We're, we're all going to be livid if we don't make finals, but Ed Kerno's a player. We're in, in, in a finals game, in finals footy, where it's contested, where it's close, where you might need someone to negate another midfielder, an opposition midfielder. Even if he only plays a handful of games throughout the season, if he's fit come finals, he'll get it. He, he might actually get a look. If, if we're, only if this coaching department is going to look to set up for who we're playing against. If they if they've got blinkers on for we're going to play our way and that's it, then he may, he probably doesn't get a look. But if you're looking at like a Melbourne, 
and you need big bodies around the ball and you need someone to go to an Oliver and just niggle him all day or a Petrarca and niggle him all day, Ed Kona, he'll, he will run all day. Run all day yeah. with him. And I, I think he looks fit enough to still be able to do it, to be fair. All right. Do, do you want to do votes? Mm, <laughs> no. Nah, for, not for a practice. Yeah, I, don't, I don't mean anything. <laughs> let's 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 talk about this one quickly. So we'll touch on it a little bit throughout that review. And like I said, it was good to get a win. If they had have come to Icon Park, that filth, and taken a win, even in a practice match, I would have been filthy. So I'm glad we just got a win. We move on. But this is the real. This is the. This is almost the real deal now. This is official preseason game. Uh, what's the word? Lodged by the AFL. I don't know. Whatever. But it's in. It, this is part of the official community series, whatever they're calling it now. This is it. This is the last dress rehearsal before round one. Swans on Friday um, up in Sydney, Friday night, I believe, or 4 p.m. Yeah, Friday night, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. I think. Uh, what – I'm going to be looking for a few different things here than what I was looking for against the Pies. So what are you boys hoping that you see? Probably name 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 the, the number one thing that you're looking to see on Friday. You can name mine. You can name mine. I don't know what yours is. I can't we name it. We just spoke <laughs> about it at the start. Defensive transition. I need to say it. Okay. I'll do. I would uh, say two I things. I would say two things just because I feel like as if there's two sides to the game. Um, and, yeah, what one's obviously um, how we set up defensively behind the ball. Um, yeah, both when the ball's in motion and even on, at stoppages. Uh, I feel like as if that's the most important time to, like, set up. Um, and it's the easiest time to set up when the ball's actually stopped, whether it's boundary throw in or um, or a ball up, um, a kick ins, etc. Do you um, think we'll bad there, Jules? Do you think, do we'll, think we'll bad there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When they actually yeah, moved through us, stopped. when they moved through us, it was usually through like a boundary throw in or it was at stoppages. That's where Bro, they got there. For me, it was more when Noble or someone like that was getting it and going straight through us for. Do you know what I mean? That's when I that's that was my worry more than anything. But they were doing it, for example, like after a stoppage, a lot of the time. If you go back through, we'll, we'll in that in that in that ten minutes in that ten minutes at the start of the second quarter, they actually a lot of their goals or their scoring opportunities came from set bounce. That actually came from yeah, stoppage. But the majority of those times were set a bounce, though. I'm pretty sure yeah. about ten minutes or so. Yeah. So you so, you want to make sure you want to make sure that we're just not beat at our own game, basically. Yeah. Yeah, um, and the last thing is the connection inside forward fifty. Whether we're, we're whether we're moving it around the arcs um, or even going out of the center, if we can go, I remember early on last season we were moving the ball out of the center with a front um, handball, like going forward and then hitting up. Um, I want to see that because that's dangerous. When a player is running out of the center square forward what's the defender going to do rather than just a dump kick and yeah obviously you still got one-on-ones um inside forward 50 because of the 666 rule but uh, especially when you know you've got a plow running out the front of um the front of the square it's dangerous yep yeah i think for me you've nailed it boys i think they're, they're, they're the two things i actually want to see so uh, a defensive transition, especially because they've got players like a Nick Blakey, they've got players like Errol Goulden, they've got players like uh, Harry Cunningham, James Rowbottom that can run and they can run quick. 
and they can move the ball quick and they can break it quick. So I think defensively, we'll get cut up by a Sydney type side like we did against the Pies, <clears throat> even though it was only, <clears throat> sorry, even though it was only for 10 minutes, they'll cut us up and all of a sudden the scoreboard will look dire very quickly. So definitely need to look at, uh, definitely need to work on our defensive transition. And I hope that comes together quickly um, for this practice match and then obviously for round one as well. The other one that I want to see that I'm just excited to watch all year, man. We didn't talk about him much, but Jesse Motlop. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> I want him to go out on Friday. I just want him to kick four. I have like a couple of goal assists and we just go, yeah. Good luck, Richmond. Good luck. I think it's I think it's going to be important for the group to win as well. I, I think we really need to go, go for this one. Like, for sure. I think we need to make a statement going into round one. Well, a lot of people said, "Who cares? It's just a practice match when we're playing the pies. No. Why are you getting so? Why are you getting so up and about? Like it's only a practice match. It doesn't matter. We just want to see structures and this and that. Nah, not in your last dress rehearsal, especially. You want it. You want to take wins into the season because it, it just builds that confidence that you can get it done. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I want headlines about us poleaxing Sydney, like there's been about Tim Taranto supposedly meant to be kicking five goals. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear Richmond talk going into round one. I want to hear it about us. Or Geelong and, belting belting Hawthorne by eighty points. They didn't give a shit whatever. that it was a practice game. They didn't care that it was a practice game. They just won the flag. They could have easily, easily laid down and gone whatever. Make eight talk, points. Make the talk about us. Come round one. Let's make a statement in this practice match, and be like, we'll win the contested ball against Sydney. I, I know we will, but I want us to really, really make headlines. Yeah, for me, I just want to win. If we get the win. Um, I want to see obviously what we've been able to do in the seasons prior or last season in terms of the um, the contested nature of our game. Um, I want to see it for longer, though. And obviously, like I said, just want to see the you know the different elements of the game and different layers build. Um, but, boys, I don't really care if people are talking about us or not um, at this stage of the season. I, I just want to get the win. And then round one against Richmond, I want to get the win. Round two, I want to get the win. Then, as the pointy end of the season starts going, then they can start talking about us, boys, because that's when, um, you know, that's the real, that's the real deal. The yeah, pointy end of the season, yeah. that's when I want to be, you know, um, on our game. I think Walsh has actually already mentioned it. He actually regrets not playing, and and you know, even the team at, um, you know, as a whole, um, not being at the at their best. Um, come that time, come September, once September comes around, that's when you want to be on top. I'll tell you something, boys, just quickly before we finish, I'll tell you why I'm personally really focusing on the defensive side of the game for us and why I want to see it is because last year, and I don't want to talk too much about last year, but the reason why is, see the Hawthorne game? They come back and we won by how much in the end? A point. A point. A point. A point. Imagine how much of a difference it would have been for finals if we won by 20, 30, 50. So that's why that that there for me happened too much, too often. That needs to be it needs to be addressed now. The Port Adelaide game as well, which was I think the week yeah. after. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Again. So, and with yeah. what we missed finals by 0.6%. You kick one or two more points and you're in. You know what I mean? You beat Not, let, alone, 50. let alone 50, correct. Let alone 50. So I agree. I, I want to see us put together a four four quarter performance. I want to see dominance. I want to see no lapses in in concentration, in execution, it needs to be a four-quarter performance going into round one. Blues by 24, I'm going to say. Blues by 40. I was going to say over 40. Yeah, Do I need to put the exact number on it? I was actually going to say. I was going to say 45. 
Love it. Let's hope. Boys, until next week, up the baggers. On the baggers. On the baggers.